Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talk to the Brand. Thank you so much for tuning in again after a very long hiatus. Here's what happened. We recorded a podcast episode in February all about what is good design. What do we feel is good design? How do we have that sort of dialogue? Then March hit. And I think we all know what happened right before we released this podcast. Um, the quarantine happened and sheltering in place happened and isolation happened. And there was a lot of uncertainty and we opted to not release this podcast because it didn't really feel topical at the time. It didn't feel important. And now that we've had a month, six weeks under our belt, I think everyone's slowly mentally getting themselves back to a better place. And we feel like it is the proper time to release this episode. We opted not to do any any podcast episodes specifically about isolation and about quarantine. And, and we, a lot of people have been doing that. And a lot of people, honestly and quite frankly, have been doing it better than we could. So what we decided to do was go back, finish editing this podcast that we recorded in February and release it and kind of get back to business as usual to an extent. That being said, there is one caveat. My microphone started dying throughout the course of the episode. And you'll notice it go from very loud in the beginning to very quiet at the end. Hopefully you can look past that and just take the episode for what it is. And we'll be back with a follow-up to this episode in the next couple of weeks. Um, what is Good Design Part 2? Until then, hope everybody is staying safe. Thank you for tuning in once again. And here is the original podcast originally recorded back in February. Enjoy. Welcome to Talk to the Brand, conversations on branding and design with Jim and Jason from Nerve Collective. Episode 8, What is Good Design? Hello and welcome back to Talk to the Brand after a long hiatus, about a four-month hiatus, give or take. I think the last one was around Halloween. Oh, you're making me feel um, guilty. <laughs> I know. We're finally back. We're back and, and ready to talk to you again. So, uh, how have you been, Jim? I have been just doing dandy, heads heads down, doing all kinds of cool stuff. We really have, and that's really what's been keeping us so busy and uh, keeping us away from our, our podcasting. So, we are back, and we have some things that we've kind of been tossing around and wanted to talk about really since the last podcast. That's very true, and and uh, just so everybody knows, I gave Jason a... Um, I gave Jason a podcast theme for Christmas, and uh, <laughs> and today is it. What is good design? It's a softball thrown straight to Jason. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it's a it's it's a tricky softball though because it's a it's a very I've thought about it quite a bit, and we haven't we don't when we do these podcasts we try not to really plan anything. We just like to speak our mind off the Everybody cuff. Everybody can tell that, Jason. I think that's pretty <laughs> it's obvious. It's <not> a secret. <laughs> <laughs> but this one I kind of thought about from time to time. This might actually end up being a two-part podcast because there's the side of what is good design that we're going to talk about now. And then the other side would be um, how do we speak to our clients about design and how do we convince them that the direction that we're recommending for them is actually the smartest direction for them to go or the or the most effective direction for them to go? Because y sometimes you need to take... That's a tough one. Yeah, because sometimes you have to take subjectivity out of it, which, you know, and we'll get to that point later. Well, and that's, and that's, and that's really what we... And that's a challenge that we face all the time and every designer does, right? And that is, how do you convince me that what you've just done for me, the design that I'm looking at is better than um, my opinion yeah. because it's all just an opinion, right? It's just pretty stuff on the page, uh, and yeah. that's that's a that's a 
challenge that every designer, every design firm bumps up against from time to time. Figuring that out, figuring out a way to to kind of quantify it to um, the best that we can and compare it to what other people are doing. Yeah, there's a whole, you're right, that's a really complicated thing. I just tried to summarize that in a few pithy comments and it just doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it is, it is tough and we think about it all the time. I think, you know, a, a big part of it comes with experience. You know, the more experience you have as a designer, the more you see what is, what is effective, what's ineffective. And, you know, let, let's just, let's just before we get to that, let's jump back and just try to start answering the actual question of what is good design. Okay, you're the designer. Yeah, the reason I wanted to jump back is this... There was a contest on Instagram maybe like four or five months ago. Yeah. I'm actually looking at it now. It says 14 weeks ago. That was from a, a clothing company that I happen to really like and I follow on Instagram called Lestrange. I think that's how you pronounce it. Lestrange London. Oh, yes. They had a competition that was, what is good design to you? And everyone mm-hmm. had to answer it and their favorite answer would win a pair of pants or something like that. Okay. Well, I found it really fascinating when I was looking through the the answers, how many of them were completely subjective views. They were trying to, I think a lot of the people that were entering this, a good handful of them clearly had a design background. They, they speak directly to, you know, some people wrote, you know, Dieter Rahm's good design is as little design as possible. And they were quoting some, some actual famous designers. Some intellectuals about what, what good design is. Yeah, that's not going to cut water with a client at all. Well, yeah, and that's and that's also I don't think that's Deter the answer. Someone I mean, said that this is good design. No, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't care. <laughs> I I do happen to personally subscribe to the to the, the to the to the philosophy of good design is as little design as possible, but that's not always the case. Sure, maximum design might be what you need for a project, or super hyper minimum. So I'm just going to read some of these um some of these responses here. Oh, that, you know, okay, good yeah. design is disruptive. Disruptive. I've heard that term too much. I'm just going to say that right now. Good design is un noticed unnoticed sure. okay good design is is synchronicity i don't really know good what design that means. is synchronicity probably that means like it works on multiple levels right good design is mindful mindful this one says this one i i find fascinating because i don't understand it at all <laughs> it says good design is intimate and genuine doesn't look for appraisal but is adopted by its nature man these are all just like great ways to get fired by a client isn't it <laughs> Good good design is subtle, is subtle and memorable. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I guess fine if for that for that project. Right. Well, for that project, yeah. maybe okay. you're right. Maybe you don't need subtle design. And I, so I guess where I'm going with this is a lot of these answers, yes, are maybe a good design. Uh-huh. But you can't say that that's a, a global good design is because I don't think there's an answer to that question. Well, I, I mean, I, I think you could you could say effective design is. Yeah. But good by its nature is such a subjective term. I don't think there is ever going to be a right answer. You can't say good design is minimal. So are, are we so are we asking the wrong question? Is this whole podcast for not? Well, no, because <laughs> I think a lot of people think this way. I think I mean even Dieter Rams has a whole series of of his t- his top ten of what makes good design. And uh, I think they make good design to him. <laughs> and and I, I happen to agree with a lot of it, but I don't think that it's uh, it's necessarily a, an, a question that can be answered without without taking some level of subjectivity out of it. Let's let's just tackle the subjectivity thing head on. OK, so you go now. Now it's your turn. Jason, you're the designer. What is we're sitting in a client meeting and, you know, and, and you, our, our, our executive director turns to you and just says, you tell me what good design is, Jason. Go. Uh, well, I would have to answer that in in with the parameters of what the project is. Okay. Good design for that project could be completely different than good design for a completely different project. Well, that's a that's fair. Yeah, because you know, I mean, and, and that's kind of what I mean by effectiveness. I mean, effective for the audience, right? Some audiences might really want like 
iridescent color, maximum craziness, typography that's going all over the page, huge imagery really in your face. And that might really speak to audience X. Hyper minimal, hyper minimal Apple plain white page with simple typography might speak totally differently to audience Y. Sure. Well, like subtle and unnoticed is good for something where, I don't know, maybe like a, you know, I don't know, a medical application or something like that where you just don't, you're not looking at design. But if you're doing design for a, you know, a promotion for, you know, a modern art museum, then, you know, then you do want the design to be up out front or something. I mean, I'm just, I'm pulling these things out of thin air, but, but I mean, you know, as you were saying that, that one of those responses was it's subtle and invisible. Well, yeah, right. Sometimes you need subtle and invisible and other times, sometimes sometimes you also need it like way out there and in your face. So I I think writing, which is where I, you know, the world I come out of, you see that a lot too. You see the similar things that writing should just flow by you. You you shouldn't even notice the prose. Um, And, uh, you know, again, that just doesn't work for everything. Yeah, sometimes that's right. Some other times it's not. I mean, look at look at the world of craft beer. Can I was just going to say that it's like the back, the romance copy on the backs of those is so it it it's so ostentatious and it blows it up in your face that it's you know it's it it does it's there to call attention to itself for sure. And visually, I mean, full disclosure, Jim and I have been very much immersed in the <laughs> uh, in the world of beer can design in the past couple of months. That's right. Um, which is why it's it's fresh in my brain. But you look in that world of beer can design, and it's it runs the full gamut from hyper minimal, you know, twelve point type centered on a, on a, a blank can to the most outlandish, crazy illustration, tongue in cheek, long product names. I mean, all over the board. And I don't think one is better than the other. It just depends on their audience. It depends, you know, they're competing for for store shelf appeal, um, but they're also looking for a specific audience, you know, in the process. So, all right. So I think we've got our first criteria right. Good design is appropriate to its task or it's appropriate to its goal or what's what am i looking for but it, it's it's appropriate to the project it meets its goal yeah it's it meets appropriate its goal. to the project so that that'll be one so then that's that only that only tackles the question from one direction right because a lot of times you've got the question arises then i think for me well how how hip and cool should it be? How timely, I guess. How of the period should it be, right? So that's another question. You know, how relevant depends on the audience. Again, it <laughs> completely depends on the audience. You know, if your if your audience is twenty two year olds, yeah, you're gonna want to be. It's gonna want to look like now. You're gonna want to maybe follow trends or maybe even create some new ones. If your audience is, you know, if, if your audience is a fifty five year old investment banker, you'd probably have a completely different set of criteria. You'd probably want something that was just more direct, and you know, I've I've always said, I think I heard this in my in a design class in college a long time ago, and when somebody asked what is design, not what is good design, but just what is design in general, mm. and people were answering it with like business card, logo, marketing collateral. They were using tactics as their answer, mm-hmm. and this professor at the time. Um, was basically just getting us to speak, and that that was how this professor started the class for like four weeks in a row, and it just we just all just spoke. Eventually, it came out that that was an easy is, class. I want to take it that kind class. Of was. Okay, yeah, it kind of was. <laughs> Go it was on. Well, it was a it was an effective class because it stayed with me. What ended up coming out eventually was design is visual problem solving. So visual depending on what the problem, problem is at hand. Okay. Yeah, d- depending on what the problem is at hand, your goal as a designer is to find a solution for it. The solution isn't going to be the same every time. Uh-huh. I, mean, I think it's outlandish, outlandish to think that you can have one solution for every potential visual problem that's in front of you. 
Mm, visual problem solving, sort of like the the adage that diplomacy is war by other means, uh, design is problem <laughs> exactly. problem solving without language or something like that. That's an interesting way of of putting it. So I guess it's a business problem that I, that we're talking about, since we're talking more about graphic design and and uh, you know design for for com- commercial use. So you're solving right, a particular business problem. Yes. In our instance, that's, yeah, that's what we're talking. I mean, design as a, as a right. term can obviously be much, can cast a wider net than that. But I think we're speaking specifically about graphic design, brand design, um, that sort of thing. Okay. So now we're back in the, we're back in the boardroom and we've got, we're showing, uh, we're showing uh, our, our, our executive director, some, some, <laughs> We're, we've, we've, we've got those boards. We've, we've stayed up late <laughs> gluing, uh, <laughs> gluing. Uh, <laughs> oh, back in the day. <laughs> gluing back pictures day. onto onto pieces of black foam core. 18 by 24 piece of black foam core. Yeah. <laughs> we're sh- JB, here's the next idea. So then what we're telling this person is this design solves your problem better than this other design or the one you previously had. That's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, that's pretty much what you have to do. I mean, in in you know modern terms, obviously, you can back a lot of that up with data, data as far as predictive data of what your audience might be going for, the sales cycles of, you know, product X versus product Y, and and you know you could get into the weeds with that sort of thing, and you could you could really lay out a pretty clear case on the design that you want to, or that you not that you want to, but the design that you feel is the most effective way to solve the problem. There's a lot of ways to do that. We don't get into that too frequently, but I think we do have a lot of very educated guesses <laughs> that maybe aren't entirely data-driven, but they're experience-driven. That Well, that's true. I mean, I, I you're right that we often find ourselves saying, well, if we make the logo bigger... <laughs> <laughs> then, then our message that's will get lost. That's a whole other podcast. Then, then I, that's a full podcast right I, there. Make the I, logo bigger. Then our message will get lost, or we won't be able to express the value proposition here, or that that yeah. So a lot of those things come into play often, right? Where where we're saying, um, from the standpoint of being effective, from the standpoint of solving your problem. Um, this, you know, A is better than B, which was better than C or something like that. So I, I, I see what you mean, but I, I think too, that I guess I'm not completely satisfied with, with, with that, <laughs> with the, with the problem solving. Oh, really? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm really not. Do tell. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, a business problem, somebody, you know, it, it, what's a typical business problem? I'm not selling enough. I need to sell more. You know, how is this design, how does this particular design going to sell more than that one? I'm, I'm just thinking out loud now. And I'm, I'm just, I'm putting myself in the shoes of a, of a, of a cynical client saying this design really is going to sell more of my widgets than the other one. I mean, I guess it's, I, I guess it's possible. Well, I think what you need to know is not so much is it going to sell more, it's which audience is it going to sell to. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Let's go back to beer again. I mean, just because that's one that's really top of mind for us. If you're very specifically looking for, you know, a, a, a demographic of 22 to 26-year-old, you know, beer aficionados, you're going to have a very different visual language to, to get that messaging across than you would if your market is, you know, a 75-year-old guy cutting his lawn <laughs> right. he just wants a cold one when he's going fishing. You know, that's going to be a very different demographic. It's going to be different language. It's going to be different advertising. It's going to be different marketing, different you know, collateral. 
Um, and so I, I don't think you can just simply say we just want to sell more, although I'm sure plenty of clients would just say that. But I think the challenge would be for us to say, you know, in response to we want to sell more. Okay, who do you want to sell more to? How do you want, how do, as a business imperative, we do, you know, as a business plan, how do you plan on selling more besides what this looks like? So that's going to, all those decisions that are happening on the business side are going to help inform where we take it visually. And that's going to be a key difference. And we, we talked a little bit about the quickie shops, like 99 designs and things. I mean, that's going to be a key difference between working with guys like me and you or smaller shops or, or even like a big ad agency or a branding firm. That's going to be the difference between that and a young freelancer who just wants to crank out a logo, tell you that it looks good, and move on. And exactly. And and this really does kind of demonstrate the extent to which any kind of design or creative is really tied so closely to good research. You know, because oh, because it it uh, I mean, you can take that and spread it out that concept and spread it out over a whole lot of other criteria. Like, who are we selling to? Uh, our, our demographic, um, maybe also in what setting. For what purpose? Right. All those kinds of things go into the go into the pot to produce a design. Um, if you don't know any of those things, then really you are faced with a whole lot of subjectivity. But but yeah, there really is a link there between what does the client know about the pitch they're making, and then you could break that down into all those various the who, the what, the where, the when. All those are going to give the designer a clue as to where the design needs to go. Uh, where you need to and kick for, off. And as you create that design and you tick those boxes, it, it, it makes, it, it just helps your argument. Like in sales where they always say that, you know, the more yeses you can get out of your client by the time you're ready to say, you know, are you ready to buy today? They're like, yes, here's just another yes I've been saying. To an extent, selling the design in is like that. It's like, okay, does it meet this criteria? Does it meet this criteria? Does it speak to this audience? This one, this one, this one. If yes is the answer to all those, then hooray. That's your design. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Here's the bill. Right, we're done. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I, you're selling me on this. So yeah, the the I think you're right that the idea is to when you're doing any kind of design project to get as much information out of your client as you possibly can, right? And as detailed, you know, a res research report and or creative brief that you can possibly get. All those dimensions are going to pour into this yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah, I'm 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 buying that so really i think what you could say in a short answer or at least my short answer of what is good design at least in a business context right in a graphic design context for business is that good design advances strategy right that's a great way to put it and it if it doesn't if it doesn't advance strategy then then it is just more design <laughs> Right. It's yeah, just, it's, it's just, just more pretty, pretty for pretty sake, more colors and more shapes and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, but to I, an extent, you know, and that's a that's a big part of of the argument for not using, you know, a 99 designs where you're getting 200 design options. Right. Um, I'm going to I'm going to back up a little bit. So there's kind of a, a slightly famous uh, in the design nerd community moment between I'm pretty sure it was Paul Rand. I may have to do some research and correct myself later. But Paul Rand designing the Next logo, Next Computers, which was like the evolution of, of Apple. And uh, Steve Jobs said something to Paul Rand about, okay, so I'll, um, you know, I'll look for a whole bunch of options of logos, and then I'll decide on the one. And Paul Rand interrupted him and said, no, I will solve your problem, and you will pay me. <laughs> right. Well, that, that's that a designer's it. dream come true. That's a dream relationship. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, what he was basically saying in that is, I'm not just going to throw a whole bunch of stuff at a wall and see what sticks. Right. I'm going to get in the weeds. I'm going to solve your problem. I'm going to give it to you, and we're done. 
the right. transaction is over. <laughs> yeah. I, and there's a lot to be said for that. That doesn't really work in the real world. I mean, that works in the in the world of Steve Jobs and Paul Rand. But um, but I, it, it does make a case for not not giving, you know, not trying to come up with 24 different ways to solve one problem. Maybe you only need two or three different directions you know, to kind of get a little subjectivity involved. But I can't imagine that every pro- problem that comes to, the, to you from a client is solvable in, in 25, 30, 40, 50 different ways. Well, I, I think... I'm it, wrong it, in that. Well, yeah. I, I, no, I, I would think that, that probably they're only... Well, I mean, I, you could solve problems in a lot of ways, right? I could sort of lose weight by sawing my leg off, right? But I mean, you know, there are exactly, there are only it's certainly not one answer, but I don't think there's, there's dozens. But but I mean, uh, um, right? There there are probably probably a handful of 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 actionable, useful, realistic solutions to a given business problem. But but I, I think you know, you're saying something important too that creative or design or or copy i think you could apply it to anything like that it it really is sort of the tip of an of an iceberg um in in the sense that if you if you're doing it right um a lot of your effort is going to be expended in in doing research um doing doing re- receiving research you know assimilating it thinking about it um doing doing um Doing some of your own. A friend of mine, uh, a close friend, worked at a a very hot shop in Chicago. At least it was probably the hottest shop in Chicago in the, I'd say, probably... 80s and 90s especially and uh and they were great at that i mean they they'd get a they'd be given a you know a annual report project back this is back in the way back in the day when there still were annual reports reports. everyone wanted the annual report (laughs) but they would they'd take all their people and they'd ambush an office with like 20 of their older and younger design people all with cameras taking pictures of things, you know? Um, or I guess that would probably, an annual report's not quite right, but, but say they were, they were doing a lot of sales collateral. They'd go out to the stores where the salesmen were going to go and they'd take pictures of them. And, you know, one of their clients famously said to the, them, and I think they've just put this on the wall, what does all this research have to do with design? Um, and they were really, so they were, they were sort of living what we're talking about where they're answering all these questions. How is this going to get used? Where is this going to get used? Who's the person who's going to be using it? Who's the person who's going to be delivering it? Um, and, uh, as kind of silly as that appeared to the client, what the, what the firm was really doing was, um, was closing off the, 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 the potential, uh, number of options. Um, slowly narrowing down, um, you know, answering all these various questions and, um, and really uh, coming up on the one hand with some really good and interesting design because that's what they did. But on the other hand, uh, as we started the podcast with uh, this idea of uh, making it harder for the client to say, I'd re- I want something else. Because <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, does it t- does it tick all these twenty boxes? Yes, it does. All well, right, that, we win. We win. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
then we're, you know, it just occurred to me that if, you know, we're, we're characterizing clients in sort of a contentious <laughs> sort of, we're square, we're, we're framing it I'm up as back, like a... I'm going back to the days. Okay, right. Yeah, we never have those kind of problems with our clients. In all honesty, thankfully we have not, but it's been the, it's been the kind of projects that we've taken on, that's, that's for sure. No, we have very good clients, if any of them are listening, or any potential clients are listening. <laughs> the, the client-designer relationship is, is often considered to be a contentious one i don't necessarily find that to be the case but um i, cer- I certainly did when i was younger and had less experience and thought that I, sh- I needed to push my vision through isn't that the case or hasn't it been the case with so many i guess i think of it more in terms of the ad agency um cl- uh environment more than the design firm but uh gosh i've known so many creative directors that i, I you know they they basically have a whip in their hand and and they turn it in one direction they're whipping their own people more 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 give me better design give me better creative and then on the other hand they're whipping their clients it's like accept this this is genius you will accept you know, it's like whack whack you know they're whipping and all they're just you know they're frantically whipping everybody I gotta think those days are behind us but I don't know if they are yet I don't know I I, I, I well definitely the the you know, ad awards and things like that don't have the same cachet they used to. Uh, so uh, they still have some, but but I, I think you know you hit on something important that I was <laughs> that I was sort of riffing on um, the idea that I think especially when you're younger um, and you're building a portfolio um, that you want to feel like you can claim down the road that this was my idea. This was completely my idea. I'm the genius that stepped in and saved the day. And, um, and this is the, this is the result. This took over the world. And it, ha- and it has my personal stamp on it. Right. Right. And it has my personal stamp on it. And it's only, it's only by, by, uh, I, I guess, as you said earlier, virtue of age and experience that you come to understand that all good creative is a, is a cooperative project between the client and the, and, and the designer or, or the firm. Um, and and that's that's not just a truism and something we used to get clients, but if there's not a conversation going on, then you know if and that's all you young designers out there, if you're or writers or creatives, if you're going off, and you are creating stuff in a vacuum, and hoping to bring it to the client and like hallelujah, you know, um, if they do that, you're probably in the wrong client relationship. <laughs> but but. Uh, um, but no really good work, no no real, truly effective work, um, it really comes out of that. And there, I'm back to your f- efficacy thing. Man, this is if we come full circle, is it time? To, is it time to you know? It, it is a good word. Is it time to wrap up? If we, you know, if that we, could be a perfect wrap up because I do want to continue this in in episode two along these lines. I think I think there is a a logical extension from. I think there's a natural extension to this thought, which is. Now that we kind of know what makes good design, how do you convince someone else that that is good design? I know we've kind of teased it with the if it, you know, ticks all these all these important boxes and the upfront criteria that therefore it answers the question, it solves the problem, and you know, and and it works. But and pay um, us, yeah, right. But it, that's very easy to say in a podcast. But the actual practice of of getting in front of your client and showing them the concepts and trying to sell them in. And not being pushy, make sure that you're hearing them, make sure you're not being defensive about your work. There's so many other things that kind of come into play that I think would be good for 
um, for us to talk about and also for clients to understand maybe how they could speak to their designers in a way that might get the best work out of them, for designers to understand how to sell their work to get the best, you know, to get the best solution in front of your clients. I think there's, I think that's a, uh, that's a great. Ooh, problem. you're, you're setting out to solve, uh, solve the problems of the world here, aren't you? Okay. I I'm, am. I'm on board. All right. When's your birthday? I'll give you, minutes. I'll give you another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> In May. We can't wait until May. we got to do right. this one soon. This All right. next week. Well, this was fun. Thank you. I'm uh, glad we're back. It's good. It feels good to be back. And we'll be back Hopefully s- listeners are glad sooner. we're back. I don't know if anyone else cares that we're back, but it's fun to do it. We'll have to judge by the numbers on, on iTunes, right? That's the only way we'll know. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for listening to Talk to the Brand. And um, uh, again, I'm Jim Beatty. I'm Jason Caldera. Stay tuned for part two to this discussion. www.nervecollective.com